search of real and cyberspace, there's one place you can go, and you've found it. Welcome to the Nightwise.com podcast, Season 16, Episode 4, Linux on the Workplace Desktop. Katie Murray back in the producer's chair this week as Nightwise is out in the eastern reaches of Belgium to go play with a drone. I mean, take some B-roll for a very important project. But never mind that. Let's join Nightwise out on the road in the outskirts of Tongeren. On the edge of real and cyberspace, you know where to go. Hey, guys and girls. Um, good morning. It's 7 a.m. in the morning. I am out for a little stroll and I'm going to shoot some drone footage to test out some functions of my little DJI drone. It's a beautiful day and I'm on my way to the small town of Knuls. Uh, let me see. Seren Elderen. Yeah, Seren Elderen. That's the name. It's a very, very small little sleepy town that used to be very rich and flourishing back in the 1800s because it was... Um, the center of a vast agricultural um, empire, so to say. Uh, and it also had vineyards. Uh, this little piece of Belgium is located just so that it is sometimes ideal to try and make wine here. And this is actually what they used to do in that little town. Now, and these, these times have gone away. This was uh, uh, at the time of Napoleon, but... Um, there is still a beautiful little church there, a beautiful little graveyard, and a castle with a lake. So I decided, you know what, I gotta test me some DGI maneuvers. <laughs> so I'm gonna try it over there. But until we get there, why not record a podcast? Why not talk to you guys and girls about what I wanted to chat about? And that is how I use Linux professionally. How I use the Penguin to make the money and how I use it in my daily professional workflow. It's a little bit of a journey, just like this little walk to the little town. And just like what I'm doing right now, we're going to go in back in time a little bit. Well, not, not 200 years, but how about two decades? And let's start with where it all started, how I got into Linux and how I use it today. I was introduced to Linux blop, 20 years ago. I think it was 2001 when a colleague of the uh, multimedia center where I worked, I was an assistant system administrator, started talking to me about Linux. Now, I had heard of it. I had actually heard of Unix. And I said, like, yeah, but that's what we run on those SunSpark pizza boxes, right? And that's Unix. Uh, it's a command line. I don't know what it means. I have no idea what to do with it. Looks like DOS, a little bit more complicated. Is, it, is that what you mean? I said like, no, no, no. There's also a version you can run on your desktop and kind of replace Windows. So I was really interested because I had just been introduced to Macs. They also had Macs in that company and I thought, and they had just upgraded to OS X, which was based on Linux and it looked really cool, but you know, I didn't have, neither the experience nor the money to, to buy a Mac. I didn't know what to do with it back then. So I was very intrigued about this Linuxy stuff. So during my lunch break, we uh, found an old computer in the stash and he came by my, my, my desk with, with this big white box with two books in them and a couple of DVDs uh, in, in one of these binders and it had a big uh, chameleon on the box. Just like, yeah, this is SUSE. And so I'm like, okay, uh, let's install it. So we started installing it. 
and there already was a graphical installer. And at some point he said like, okay, which apps do you want? So like, what do you mean, which apps do I want? Well, there are all these apps on these DVDs. It's like, well, okay. Well, what are the options? Well, here, choose. So, whoa, that's a long list. Yeah, but there's also a select all. And what does, does that do? Well, that install has, installs everything. Everything? Everything. Okay, let's do everything. So we installed everything. And I ended up with this weird looking system that kind of looked like Windows, but behaved a little differently. But when I hit the resemblance of the start button, it showed me rows and rows and rows upon apps that uh, did all these crazy things that had incomprehensible names that for some reason all of them started with a K. And uh, <laughs> I, was, I was blown away. Was, what is this? So I was, I was kind of interested. I was hooked. I didn't know what to do with it at that moment, moment but I decided to, to press on. And I was, I was happy uh, to, to dabble with it. And this dabbling went on for a couple of years, trying with mixed success to get Linux into my workflow because I wanted to use that desktop version. Um, I remember um, installing it on an old, well, an old, that was mine. It was a new Toshiba laptop that I had back then and trying it out for a while uh, until I couldn't get wireless working. I tried it on other systems and... Um, didn't, well, for some reason couldn't manage to play an mp3 file. You know how it is when you start out into, into the Linux world, you kind of dabble. <laughs> and when something doesn't work, you switch distros and you try that distro to get it to work. And it was a fun time because I, I found some very cool distros. Um, I found Manjaro, Mandriva, I think Mandriva, sorry, Mandriva, Red Hat, SUSE, um, Nopix, that was a big thing back then. Um, and uh, this cute little distro that went away, unfortunately, that was called College Linux, and that all, and all its, its uh, different versions had Star Wars names. But it was actually quite functional. So it was fun to play around with. But I really kicked off using Linux um, in anger when Ubuntu came along. For some, uh, for some reason, it hit the sweet spot between usability and uh, and good looks and <clears throat> I don't know me and Ubuntu we just clicked okay that was good this went on until 2014 uh, using Linux uh, mostly um, in my free time you know after work and, and playing around with it and then I started up my little company and already was a cross-platform geek back then so I, I decided you know if my company could be a cross-platform company that I can do all my things on all my platforms, I'm going to try <coughs> starting it up on Linux. So I got an old Lenovo Yoga and installed Ubuntu on it. And I had the, the, the G Suite, you know, the, the Google Mail and the Google Drive and the Google Writer and stuff like that, that I used. I didn't have Office. I didn't need Office, I thought. And I thought, you know, let's do this. And in the beginning, it was fine. I could read my mail, I could make up my documents, I could get everything done. However, trouble started when I needed to interact with other clients. And this already started with sending out my and, and editing my resume, which turned out 
to be something that worked just fine in LibreOffice. But when you would send that document to somebody who had uh, a regular or an, a Microsoft version of Office, it would get all borked up. And if they would send me reports that I had to edit, I would have to, I would send them back and they would look all funky. And it was basically not ideal because, you know, if your documents are kind of garbled when you send them to your customer, as an IT company, mm -mm, not good for your reputation. So I decided, you know what, let's let maybe, maybe we have to, you know, uh, cut our losses and switch to, to, to Office and to Windows because that's just the way it is in the business world. And that's what I did. <clears throat> so over the last, over the next couple of years, Linux has always been around, you know, on the desktop and stuff uh, as, as a second machine, but nothing really, um, you know, business critical. In the beginning of the lockdown, that kind of changed. Because over the years, I've been working with, with, uh, with other clients as a consultant as well. So you mostly get a laptop from the company. You know, they give you what I call a foreign system. It's a laptop that's mostly locked down, that uses their network, blah, blah, blah. And uh, you would have to do your thing. But over the last couple of years, it's been more of a bring your own device kind of stuff. And that was very interesting because sometimes they only required a Citrix connection. Uh, and, you know, if you can run a Citrix client, you can do your thing. First it was a VPN and then it became a Citrix client. And the current client where I'm working doesn't have any of that. And he says like, you know, we have Office 365. Boom. <laughs> no. Here's a login. Uh, connect to Teams and uh, to SharePoint and do your thing. So that got me wondering because over the years I've also switched my own company over to using Office 365 because it's so cross-platform friendly. And sitting at home during the lockdown, being a little bit bored, I went like, you know what, I can probably um, switch this machine to Linux. I know. Let's see what I can get done. Let's see what I can do with all of that machine power. So I did. I switched it to Linux and I decided, you know, let's do it. So I um, <clears throat> reinstalled my Lenovo X1 Carbon, which is a beautiful machine and which has been touted for its Linux compatibility. And I switched it over to uh, Ubuntu. Now for the last couple of years, uh, one of the favorite distros that I like to use is Ubuntu Mate or Mate, whatever you want to call it, because it's, um, it's, it's quite easy to use, it's light, and it still has a graphical user interface that is very acceptable um, for the thing that it is. So I decided that Mate would be the, the, the distro of choice and I installed it. Installation went off without a hitch, all the hardware was recognized save for my 3G modem built in into my X1. Now this isn't really a disaster you know with lockdown I'm not on the road that much anymore so I don't really need my 3G like I used to but I decided to know you know what let's just you know let's just do this. So I pressed on and everything everything looked fine it was extremely responsive it was fast it was good and then I wanted to do something extremely simple, which was pair my Bluetooth keyboard. Behold, that was more troublesome than I expected. Now, a Logitech Bluetooth keyboard, the MX keys and the MX3 mouse 
are kind of run-of-the-mill hardware. This is not um, exotic hardware, you know, it's a, it's a main brand. But I was very disappointed to notice that for some reason, well, it just didn't work. For some reason, the um, Bluetooth module on Ubuntu Mate 2004 decided it would not show up the pop-up that allows you to enter a numerical co code in order to confirm the pairing of your Bluetooth keyboard. The mouse was fine, the keyboard didn't work. Okay, on to the Googles. This should be fixable. Google, Google, Google. Uh, try another Bluetooth manager. Google some more. Try the command line. Google some more. Start parsing log files. Google some more. Look at this driver. Google some more. And then I went like, okay. This is not the way it's supposed to go. I'm already spending hours and hours in, on getting this done and I should already be working, you know, not being able to pair my keyboard reliably is not an option. I can't start my working day in the morning and spend half an hour just to get my bloody keyboard connected. So I rage quit mate and I went on to regular Ubuntu 2004. Lo and behold, it worked just fine. First pet peeve with um, <clears throat> with Linux is already coming to the foreground. I've uh, said this before. I love Linux and all its diversity, but I think that we are spending way too much time making different distros that will look nice but don't quite work. Maybe fewer distros and better hardware support would be a better idea. But hey, who am I? I um, decided to move over to Ubuntu 2004 proper and that was a lot better. Um, everything worked out of the box. Bluetooth for some magical reason just worked. I could pair my keyboard, everything was fine. Except for the 3G modem, but hey, that I could take in stride. So I started my little experiment. Um, all of my cross-platform apps kind of worked, all my workflow kind of clicked, but I'll tell you a little bit more about that. But trouble began when I hooked up my uh, Thunderbolt connector to connect the machine to my dock. It turned out that it was fine for a couple of hours and then the network would start to become laggy and especially when I was on video calls I would get frame drops and uh, sound would drop out and I would need to reboot before everything would work again. So I was a little frustrated, I went like, okay, and, you know, when you're a geek, you reboot because it's your free time, you know, you're doing this for your hobby and it's nothing professional and everything's fine. However, when you do this for work and you are on a conference call with a client to make a sale about broadcasting their live event and your own webcam is choppy, well, that's not really acceptable now, is it? So I started to see that you know, using this hardware for professional uses with Linux was also a little bit of a liability when it came down to uh, running my company. I was exposing myself to some risk instability and into the image of my uh, own little company that I decided, let's not take the risk. Let's, let's do something else. Let's go towards simpler hardware.
One of the simpler things I had lying around hardware-wise was uh, a desktop. And this desktop was a run-of-the-mill um, Lenovo uh, desktop that I still had lying around somewhere. An i5 processor, um, <clears throat> it had a Quadro um, NVIDIA card, standard network card, nothing fancy. But it was a system that I had lying around, so I decided, you know, let's give that a try. Let's, let's see how that works. So that's what I did. I saw how that worked. Installed Ubuntu on it, everything went fine out of the box, and I decided to port over my apps. So for run-of-the-mill communication and doing almost 99% of the things in my own company, we kind of run Office 365. And, you know, accessing it through a browser is just fine. So I install the main browsers like Chrome and um, Firefox. And I went onto the Office 365 environment and everything was fine. No problem there whatsoever. I could do everything I wanted to do. Now, I'm not a really big fan of running your mail client in the browser because if you accidentally close your browser, you have to reopen all of your tabs and stuff like that. I usually like to have my mail client in a separate spot. So that's what I did. I, was, I started the quest for a, uh, you know, a native mail client. And I was thinking Thunderbird, but one of the things that were on the computer was um, evolution. Now, I remember evolution from way back and I went like, wait, are you still around, you dinosaur, you? But there would be no way that I would be able to have an interact with my fancy dancy brand spanking new Office 365 environment, you know, that, that wouldn't be an option. But lo and behold, there is an EWS, an Exchange Web Service plugin for Evolution. And it works. So I was, I was able to get my Office 365 mail onto Evolution. I was able to open up my shared mailboxes. I managed to get my calendar and I managed to get my contacts. So before I knew it, I actually had a working, a working mail client on my Linux system that interacted with the rest of the systems just fine. So I was really, really happy about that. So on to other bigger things. I decided that one of the things that I use the most uh, during my working day is Teams. Now I have two Teams environments. So I have one for the client that I'm currently working for as an IT manager a couple of days a week, and I have one for my own company. Um, switching between both Office 365 tenders is a bit of a hassle unless you run one in the browser and you run one natively. So I decided to run one, well, natively. I'd installed the um, Edge browser from Microsoft uh, on Linux, and I installed the Teams client from Microsoft on Linux, and both kind of work really well. So here's the paradox, the Windows apps on Linux work really well. Now, the functionality of both is a little limited still. Uh, Edge is still in beta, so synchronization of your bookmarks don't work, doesn't work. Um, and the Teams client does have a couple of sharing instances that just don't work like the ones uh, on the Teams client on, on the Mac or, or on Windows because they're still in development. And now this isn't Linux's fault, haha. This is actually Microsoft's fault, which should, 
you know, they should give the Linux apps a little more love, but, you know, seeing that it's running on a, well, competitive system, I don't blame them for not putting it at the highest peak of their priority list. However, uh, Microsoft is working very hard on integrating Linux into Windows and integrating Windows apps into Linux, so yay! And then it's all about the rest of my workflows. Now, I had come upon a problem where the final pieces of my cross-platform workflow were still locked in into some proprietary operating systems. Like, for example, GarageBand only runs on the Mac. And that's not really a big issue because I only use GarageBand to record jingles and stuff. But um, one of the things I use to edit videos with is um, Final Cut Pro, which is an amazing app. It's, it's a fantastic little application, but, you know, it's not cross-platform compatible. So I went looking for another video editor um, on Linux, and I was kind of disappointed because um, there are a couple of there, open shot, kind of stable, doesn't look very good, doesn't look very well, it doesn't look very exciting. Then there is Shotcut, looks exciting, isn't stable. And then there is Caden Live, looks good, kind of stable, but does have a steep learning curve. I mean, there is nothing really there into the level of, um, of uh, Final Cut Pro. So I started to look around a little bit and I uh, came upon DaVinci Resolve by Blackmagic Design. Now there's a, there's a, a paid version, it comes, at a, it comes in at about 300 euros. And there's a free version which has 99, well, I don't know, 80% of the functionality, but it is a very professional kind of machine. You know, it's, a, it's, it's really exciting software because you can uh, do a lot of color grading and stuff that uh, you kind of do with Adobe Lightroom, but now I could do it with, uh, with DaVinci Resolve. So I decided to dive into that and I've been playing around with it ever since uh, taking the course. And if it really ticks my fancy, I might just go for the paid version uh, because for my company, I need to edit videos and it needs to be fast because I need to make money. And the faster I get a project done for the rate that I'm working, you know, you know how it is. So efficiency is key. That being said, um, I've also started looking at some other alternatives. One of the other things that were kind of locked into my Mac were uh, Keynote were for my presentations when I give talks and, and stuff. And I had already waned off a Keynote for a while now going to towards, um, what is it, uh, PowerPoint. And that was great on the PC, but you know, there's no PowerPoint on Linux. Um, <laughs> whoever says that the uh, presentation software in LibreOffice is somehow acceptable as a presentation software has never given a good presentation, uh, or at least not an exciting one. So one of the things that I used there to switch is Canva. Canva is a web-based application that lets you, it's kind of like MS Publisher on steroids the way it should be. It's, it's, a, it's a graphical design uh, application, but you can also do animations and videos and presentations. So I switched to Canva for doing my presentations. A, they look better 
because my presentations are mostly animations and illustrations and I tend to do the talking and um, that works <clears throat> really well as well. There are the classics on there, of course, like Audacity, which I used to do to record voiceovers, and uh, OBS, of course, which is a, a company standard that we use a lot these days. That kind of all works on Linux. So, using it professionally on that system, 99.5%. I think that if Microsoft gives me a decent, decent um, Teams client, and a decent version of Edge, so I can separate the client environments from my environments, I am more than happy to use it in anger. That being said, I want to close up with my final thoughts on using Linux professionally, because there is a little bit of a caveat. from using Linux professionally is that although we've come a long way, Linux does have a way to go. I am actually a little disappointed in Linux. 
I started out using Linux when there were still news groups around, and whenever I had a, graphic, a question about the graphical interface, I would get flamed to bits, because the graphics didn't matter, command line was all that mattered. Okay, fine. If that's your opinion, that's your opinion. That's what the bearded nerds would yell at me. If I look at that community today, I see a community that is largely focused on graphical user interfaces. Hell, they're obsessed by it. There are 2,000 different uh, distros and spins and you can choose from every one of them and everybody is spending hours and hours of development time on the exterior of Linux. Which is really disappointing because, quite frankly, I would like to have more attention to hardware support and to decent applications that might even be available on other platforms, thus pulling people into Linux by introducing them to open source applications before they make the jump to a cross-platform operating system. And that's really disappointing. I mean, there could be Linux, the year of the Linux desktop, they keep, they keep blabbing on about that. And I don't think it's going to come as long as we have 3,000 desktops. <clears throat> Once we switch over to a couple of standardized desktops that are well supported and that are well built, then we have a chance. Because otherwise, I don't think we're going to go anywhere soon, except for Hobby Hobby. The second pet peeve is that that time should also be put into hardware support where possible. I know that some drivers are closed source, but if Linux starts to standardize, it can also apply pressure on the hardware vendors as being a major distro to take into account. But, you know, the developer of Hannah Montana Linux with his 200 users might not have the, the, the power to convince a company like Dell to, to have a decent Bluetooth driver, please. That's like the kind of things that I, I still get upset about, that they actually should work, especially these days. And then there's, of course, the, the, the application support is itself. There is an alternative for... Um, there is this app that you use to make animations uh, on Adobe. It's not... After Effects. There's an alternative app to After Effects, a cross-platform free app. And I was really excited to go like, oh yeah, this is what I want to use. And then you take a look at it and it's like, this application needs support. It hasn't been updated in two years. And I'm really, you know, I'm, I'm really disappointed. I went like, really? We're spending time on to, into Hannah Montana Linux distro spin to give it new buttons, but this? is the applications that we have. And then you have, you know, all the, all the attention towards the design of the distros. But if you take a look at some of the applications, they absolutely look terrible. I mean, I love the guy who makes Calibre, but seriously, dude, what's wrong with you? Buttons? The size of, I don't know, MP3 players or a diskette? What, what, what's wrong with you? The people who make Jack? Uh, an audio interface that lets you plug in and out audio channels. Are you trying to make this complicated? Is, is, is your, your application, that's not an app, that's a freaking quest to get stuff to work. So those are things that are still on my radar when it comes to working with Linux and working with that technology, but I'm sure that they will be fixed someday. But until then, I can kinda for 99.5% use Linux in anger um, professionally. And I'm very curious to hear about you guys. Are you using Linux professionally? I don't know.
Maybe you want to let us know. That's all the time we have this week on the Nightwise.com podcast, Season 16, Episode 4, Linux on the Workplace Desktop. It's been said for about 20 years that next year will be the year of Linux on the desktop. Much like cold fusion and perpetual motion, this has often been thought to be a myth, or at the very least, someone's pipe dream. But over the past year or so, there's been a lot of changes in the number of people working remotely and the need for companies to be able to support a wider array of devices, either personal or professional, and that's provided an opportunity for a lot more Linux desktops to start to gain some acceptance. Real question is, is it too little, too late? Send us your thoughts. You can always hit us up in the show notes over at nightwise.com. We've got links there as well to a bunch of the stuff that Nightwise talked about in the show today. If you want to join in the conversation over on the Discord server, you can find an invite in the show notes for today's episode. And finally, if you want to shoot us a good old-fashioned email, the address is feedback at nightwise.com. Till next time, on behalf of Nightwise and the crew, this is KD Murray reminding you to keep an eye open for Linux opportunities and let the technology work for you instead of the other way around. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to the nightwise.com podcast. The show with hacks, tips, and tweaks for cross-platform geeks. Send your feedback, questions, or start your own personal flame war by contacting us directly on feedback at nightwise.com. You can support the show by sharing it with your friends or writing us a nice iTunes review at www.nightwise.com forward slash iTunes. If you have some credits to spend, click the PayPal button on the nightwise.com website to help us pay the bills. Just remember, there is real life outside cyberspace. But it's not all that important.